I've Been Thinking. I'm your host, Joseph Patton, and I'm joined today by my friend, Eric Rogers. Hey there. And today, uh, we've been thinking about music. 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 So what are your thoughts on music, Eric? <clears throat> well, music's a universal language, something that connects us all the way through. You, you got a bop, and some dude who speaks a totally different language than you can understand, hey, bro, that kind of slaps. Right, I totally agree, I totally agree. Um, it's the one thing that, you know, unites us, and it brings humanity together. Yeah. Keeps us one and the same, and yet diverse. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, with that, every single culture and language, they all got their own little take on music, you know? You get different cultures with different music styles, different music tastes, different preferences. It's, uh... It's almost like speaking a different dialect of the same language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, different people, you know, whether they like rock, country, rap, jazz, or just symphonic music, they all understand, hey, I like the way that sounds, or I don't like the way that sounds, you like the way this other thing sounds, why is that? And then it just brings people together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the really cool thing about it is it can be traced uh, really with all of humanity, you know, from the very dawn of, uh, of uh, humanity's intellectual thinking, um, you know, I mean, coming from a caveman as far as we can, you know, tell, um, music has really followed humanity everywhere we've gone, you know, brought it everywhere with us, uh, even to space, you know, uh, you know, even if we don't think about it, the radio waves we send off, are still transmitting out there and still going on infinitely. Right. So wherever humanity goes, music follows. And there's not only that, but um, the astronauts who have been to space, they bring their favorite records and all that stuff into space to listen to while they're in space. Yeah. So even in a literal sense, we've brought music to the final frontier of space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I agree. And you know, there's also... In my life especially, I don't know, I'm fairly certain it's the same for you, but music has impacted my life a lot in the way that I think and feel and act towards other people and myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like music impacts everyone a little differently. Um, some people, you know, have their musical impact being that they just listen to it, they like it, you know, and uh, they connect with, you know, some of the thoughts and words of uh, right. other artists and... Uh, for some people, it's more about, you know, being that kind of artist and expressing themselves through music like that. And mm -hmm. I feel like for me, it's been a little bit of both, you know. Um, like, I really like listening to country, or not country, uh, rock, a little bit of country, um, like classic rock and a little yeah. bit of jazz. But what I really like playing is jazz, you know. That's yeah. that's where I really express myself uh, thoroughly. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, this, I'm very similar. Um, I really enjoy playing jazz like you do. Um, and I know that you and I have very similar music tastes because I don't know why we just do. Yeah. I I can enjoy some country. I love classic rock. You know, Sticks, Queen, Kansas isn't classic rock, but Kansas, um, Rolling Stones, yeah, all that stuff. And then you know, jazz, just Miles Davis, Count Basie, Sinatra. All those folks, just listening to them and then um, playing those songs as well, 
whether with a band or in my own free time, is just something that makes me feel good. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that's really cool about jazz that I like, uh, especially with playing it, is that even though a lot of the stuff we play is a pre-written composition, just by you know uh, playing it yourself and uh, at times improving off of it, you really make it your own in a sense. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to perfectly exactly match the exact way that the composer intended or the exact way that the original people who recorded and played it played it. Because um, jazz is a little different every single time. Um, it's the same with a lot of music, but especially with something as uh, as fluid as jazz can yeah, be, yeah. it's uh, it's definitely a lot easier to get uh, individuality in every single piece and every single group. And you know, nobody improvs. No two people improv the same way. I know that some people prefer to play, you know, longer, more stretched out uh, harmonic lines compared to some people who like to play really fast up and down arpeggiated melodic lines and some people um, like to play a mixture but the one thing that all good improvisation has in common is that it tells a story and you have your home key and then you take a journey you sometimes will visit that home key again but there's always that sense when you finish your improv of home or you finish it with a sense of I'm home, but I'm about to go on another adventure, and that's where the next soloist can pick up or where the song can continue, and it clicks. Yeah, and just as much as it is about what you play, what really feeds that is uh, what you listen to and what you hear. Yeah. Uh, like you said, um, someone else can pick up on what you put down. Uh, because they're listening to it, they can try and uh, you know, copy what you hear, um, which really is what a lot of improv includes. Mm -hmm. uh, so... I feel like a lot of what influences the way you improv is what you hear and what you listen to and what you like and what you like to listen to. Yeah. Because uh, the more you listen to a certain t uh, type of you know jazz or music in general, really, uh, the more you kind of get your your rhythm, your melodic you know feel. Mm -hmm. That's that's where you really pick up a lot of that from. And to piggyback off that, um, our friend Ike, he's a great musician, amazing pianist. Um, and sometimes, you know, he and I will jam, and he'll be rocking on the piano. I'll have my melodica, and the way that he improvs versus the way that I improv is completely different because he's all up and down the keyboard, within the key, augmenting the key, and that's reminiscent of the music he listens to, which is more um, contemporary jazz, which has a lot of that up and down the keyboard playing wide variety of notes compared to how I do it. I listen to, personally, a lot of classic rock and um, especially my favorite kind of music is like rock ballads, which are intense, like hard-hitting chords that follow and flow with the music. So that shows in my improv compared to his, which is something that I find interesting. Yeah, and what's really cool about that too is that even though you both got a little bit uh, different style for improving, you can still piggyback off each other mm -hmm. and create something really cool. Yeah. Just based off of what you hear from each other. Yeah. Because even though you know what you prefer, you still know how to you know copy off and uh, you know really just follow along with what someone else is doing. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting 
What I like to do is when we're in jazz band class, I'll take a recording when we do something where I know we're going to be improving, and I'll go back, listen to it, not just myself, but everyone else, because everyone in that class or everyone who improvs has good ideas and parts it's like, huh, that sounded really good. How do I, how do I imitate that? Because that's what a lot of improvisation is. You're telling a story by taking parts of stories from other people. Yeah, yeah. Because it's kind of hard to pull something totally out of the blue. Uh, you know, I feel like the human mind comprehends things that it's uh, heard better, just like reorganized, rather than coming up with something uh, totally different. Um, at least when you're putting it in context with something older, like jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's really why, you know, we try to piece together from what we listen to. Right, right, right. Because, like, you've heard the expression, there's nothing new under the sun, right? So, no? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I can tell because he just kind of gave me that look. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, so basically, <clears throat> the expression, there's nothing new under the sun, means that no matter how many times um, people do things, it's going to already have been done. And not necessarily in the exact same way, but if you think about it, music is just... um, Think of it like we play music because we hear music in nature, right? Birds chirping, um, coyotes, wolves howling, wind rustling through the leaves, blowing over things. It... um, Everything's got its own kind of uh, cadence and melody. Yeah, exactly. And so, <clears throat> music at first was hu- humanity attempting to imitate that and then piggybacking off of itself, off of itself. Because that, that's the one thing that I found that the human brain is just amazing at doing, is that it can take something and put a spin on it that you never would have thought. Yes. Yeah. Sort of like how uh, like how cells, you know, split off of themselves. It starts as one thing yeah. and grows into two. Those yeah. two grow into four and it, it just grows and, off of itself. And the more that they split off and grow, the higher the likelihood there is for a I guess a mutation. Yeah, which, something new. Yeah, so, something new. Like in cells a mutation may not be good, but it could be good. It's the same way with music. Um, say you listen to a really nice piece of music. You just jam and vibing with it real hard. <clears throat> and you hear a lick you really like. And so you're like, huh, I'm going to figure that out. And so you start fiddling around, playing it. And then you figure it out, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. So it still sounds like the original, but it's not the original. And it's at least close enough for somebody to recognize it, even if it doesn't sound the exact same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know... Um, that's something we've been working on in jazz band class is picking out songs by ear. Uh, ear doing some ear training, trying to figure out how to play those songs. Yeah. And so by doing that, <clears throat> you can work that into your improvisation, and then that will just help people piggyback even further, even further, even further. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, the cool thing about that is it's not just uh, an individual, it's a whole class. So, um, you know, it's sort of like everyone brings something to the table. Uh, if you find a cool lick, you bring it up in your improv, uh, even if you don't realize it, people pick up on that subconsciously, even if it's not, you know, intentional. Yeah. And um, certain looks like that will start to branch off, and that's really where 
jazz ensembles can get kind of their own individual sound mm-hmm. that differentiates them from the rest of the groups. Uh, even worse, you know, on a more personal level with yeah. individual musicians, you know, you can always pick out, especially with all the greater artists, an exact, you know, sound, a certain style yeah. they play. Yeah. And that's why when you're first starting out in a pretty much any musical form, they tell you to find someone that you like to listen to yeah. and try to imitate their sound. Mm-hmm. And that's something that if you're a starting off musician, that's something that is like, I didn't do it at first and I'm paying for it because I am not, <clears throat> I'm still to this day not amazing at my instrument. I'm just fairly decent. But the more I listen to trombone players and the more I listen to the kind of music that I want to play, the better I get at it. And it's interesting how that works. It, like I, it, it brings me back to my point earlier. The human brain is great at imitation and then putting a spin on it. Yeah, like for me, I started um, kind of going off on my own and figuring out songs I like to play around like 7th or 8th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, it was only like you know maybe 3 or 4 songs. Um, but that, that really does help you start to make a name for yourself. I remember the first song, at least the one that I vividly remember learning by ear was, um, what was it? Ah, jeez, it just slipped my mind. Uh, Demons, Demons by Imagine Dragons. Uh, That was, uh, it was one of, uh, our higher chair players, you know, in middle school. I was always like last put right in between two dudes who picked on me like all the time. Um... And he was one of our higher chair players. He, you know, started figuring things out by watching YouTube videos on them mm-hmm. and figuring it out from there. Um, so in a way, you know, I copied from him and uh, brought it to myself to kind of branch off from that. And if I want to learn a song, the majority of the time, that's that's how I figure it out. Uh, if I can't figure out the first note or something, then I'll look up some sheet music for it. But uh, normally I'll just look up a recording of it, try and figure out what note it starts on and just go from there to try and figure out how it sounds and how to play it. Right. And I do something similar. It's not exactly the same thing. What I do um, to start off is I'll put my earbud, one earbud in, and I'll get my melodica, and I'll play the song, and I'll try and improv on it so I can figure out the key of the song. Right. Because once you figure out the key of the song, you can fi- you can typically figure out where it starts, what it how it clicks into the piece. So I kind of start super broad and then narrow it in where you start super narrow and then, and then broad it down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of cool because um, music does give you an individuality like that. Um, yeah. Even if you don't realize it at first, it's, it's a lot harder to tell, you know, when you're first starting out because you're still trying to get a firm grasp on your instrument. But a lot of uh, that fundamental stuff like where you first learn you know, what you like to play and how you figure it out um, really, you know, sets a pathway for how it grows out and how you figure things out as a musician, whether you're more technical or more, you know, emotional and, you know, everything in between there. And um, alongside that, how you're feeling day by day affects how you play 100%. If you're feeling... um, you know, you're you're having an off day, and you know you're just not feeling it. It's gonna show in your improv. It's gonna show in how you p- play your instrument. If you're having a great day, and you're just like off the walls ecstatic to be alive, that's gonna show. It's just gonna 
it's going to affect how you sound yeah. through your instrument. And what's really cool about that is that sometimes it's totally subconscious and you don't even realize you're doing it. Yeah. Um, I think the first time I remember uh, just hearing uh, that at all was um, my first year of uh, jazz band class in uh, my sophomore year, or our sophomore year. Yeah. Um, when I was playing, I didn't even really realize I was having an off day. I was just sort of, you know, just trying to make it through the day. And uh, when I finished my solo or with whatever we were improving at the time, she goes, wow, okay, you sounded pretty sassy there. You're, you feeling a little mean today, a little like a clawsy? And I was like, you know, I didn't think about that at first, but yeah, now that you say it, I kind of am. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool. You can, uh, you can sometimes surprise yourself with that. Yeah. Um, especially if you're going, you know, more off just what you feel and yeah. thinking subconsciously rather than, you know, complicating it with your mind and trying to figure out exactly what note you're going to play. Yeah. Um, that's something that it wasn't as much noticed by everyone else for myself, but it was noticed mainly by me. Is that last year in jazz band, was a, it was a rough year overall, not just in band. And, you know, we played a song called, um, what was that blues song? River City Blues. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And when we first started playing... With that blues, the one flat three four, um, flat five five, flat seven eight, uh, one. For those of you who don't know what that means, um, it's music theory jargon. <laughs> but um, that minor third, I just like. The first time we played that song, it just like struck me hard, and I was like, "Whoa, I freaking love blues!" Yeah, and I just started playing it all the time. Because it was just like, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like, yeah. And when you feel it like that, it, it rolls off so much easier. Uh, it's almost like you know when you're speaking about something you're very passionate and knowledgeable about, mm -hmm. and then what you're saying just you know rolls off your tongue super easily because yeah. you just you know you know it inside and out, even if you don't think that you do. Right. You know, it just kind of rolls around. It's like swimming almost. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's also why I started this podcast, or sort of started this podcast, because I've got so much stuff that I think about that I'd like to get into words and talk, like music, like we're talking about right now, because we've been talking just on this one topic of improv, or broad term of improv, for 15, 16 minutes now. And it, it feels doesn't even, like three. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't even feel like that. We've just been going free talking about it, and it's just flowed. And in a sense, that's also how improv is, too. It's yeah. Uh, it's just um, a different form of communication, you know, sort yeah. of like how we were saying earlier that music's a universal language. Mm -hmm. Humanity walks through language like that universally, even though, you know, we may put certain verbs, adjectives, nouns, and words in different places, um, the same can be said through music. Yeah. yeah. You can still pick up, you know, uh, a general cadence and passion through mm -hmm. words, even if you don't know what they're saying. Yeah. You can tell them someone's speaking sad or... You know, when they're speaking really angry and mm -hmm. flustered or when somebody's happy, even if you don't know what the words mean. Yeah, like, um, personally, I have experience with this firsthand because last January and this January, I have had and will have the opportunity to go to Nepal on a mission trip. And, you know, we arrived on a, on a Friday night and that Saturday we went to their church service because that's when they had church. And I don't speak a word of Nepali but during that service, the worship band was playing their heart out, singing their heart out to the Lord, 
and you know I had no clue what they were saying but I could feel it yeah you could feel the the power coming off of that yeah yeah uh, that's a really cool experience to have um, and that's another cool thing is that that kind of power from music is another thing that comes from all cultures is that you know you may think oh well maybe this one's a little less powerful this one's a little more powerful just because of what you hear from that but uh, there are different tiers of emotion and yeah. speed and every single form of music yeah. all around the world and you know being raised in a Western society music from the, the Eastern world sounds weird to us but that's because it's fundamentally different they organize their music on the page they organize their the, even their like octaves and such they they're organized different ways they have different tonalities and so of course it's going to sound weird but even then it still hits with the same force yeah. even if it sounds strange to us yeah yeah it's all it's all still music it all still comes around the same way. It still brings out emotion, even if fundamentally it's uh, it's built a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's another cool thing is that uh, different parts of the planet bring out different fundamentals, not only through language but through music. Yeah. Um, you know, like in certain languages, like I was saying earlier, they put certain adjectives and pronouns and nouns in a different order and. Sometimes they do the same thing in music. Yeah, like, um, like with Spanish. Just to reiterate on the language thing, they put um, how do they do that? It's like adjective noun, right? Instead of yeah, no, they do noun adjective. Noun adjective. Like el pollo loco, the crazy chicken. Yeah, but you know, in English we go adjectives then nouns. Yeah. Um, and so that's just like one of those things that no matter how you order your song uh, or divide up your octaves or whatever whatever tonality you have or melody you have or whatever you've got it's still different dialects of the same language it's like Australian uh, British and American English like you may not have the same accent but you can still get the point across, you know. Your British friend wants you to get some chips, right? You're going to get yourself some french fries. Right, right. But if he wants you to get you some crisps, you're going to get yourself some chips. Whoa. Huh, yeah, I didn't even know that. They, they call them different things like that. Well, like, a biscuit is a cookie. Like, their biscuit is our cookie. I don't even know what they call our biscuits. I don't even know if they have our biscuits. Huh. And I don't know if I could live without Cracker Barrel biscuits, man. Yeah, yeah dude, I, I need them. <laughs> Gotta have them to survive. 100%, man. But, yeah. Um, anything else you'd like to add about music? Um, I don't know. It's just, one thing I could say, though, is don't necessarily shut yourself off from a certain type of music until you've really thoroughly listened through all of it. Because it's easy to say, oh, I don't like that whole genre. I I just don't like the way it sounds. you got to find something in that genre uh, that you like. Because realistically, you can find anything in any genre that you do like. Um, Like for me, I used to not like rap. I don't know why, I just didn't really like it. 
until um, our friend Josh, he really introduced me to it. He was like, oh, dude, you listen to that? No, 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 let, let, me, let me show you the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he introduced me into that, and now that makes up, like, at least, you know, a third of my playlist. And I'm going to have to have you send me some of that stuff, because personally, I'm not a fan of rap, but maybe I'm just not listening to the right stuff. Yeah. Because I agree with you. There's always something within a genre that you will like. Yeah. Um, Because I used to not like rock. Like, I thought rock was just, like, I don't even know. But when someone said rock and roll, I was like, "Eh." yeah. But now, rock is, you know... 50, 60, 75% of my playlist, I've got, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I love classic rock. Like, the way the electric guitar sounds is just some that, within my head, just clicks and makes me happy. Yeah, you uh, you might actually find this hard to believe, but uh, when I was really little, probably around like five or six, I, I actually used to say I hated music. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was just because I only heard the... Uh, the like you know pop stuff at the time yeah, yeah. and I thought oh it's girly I was going through my phase where I wanted to be a big boy you know mm-hmm. I was like oh ew no I don't like music music's for girls uh. yeah. um, and then you know, I found out that I was listening to you know one radio station and uh, you know through the years as I branched off you know yeah. I, I sort of still divided myself up like oh yeah I only like this and that and then you know I branched off like um yeah, that's cool too, and that's cool too, and it just kind of snowballed into yeah. a mix of, well, everything uh, for the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah. Um, I'm something similar right now. I think I'm at the stage where you were just talking about, you know, this is this is all right, this is all right, but I just need to find that part of the genre that I like. Yeah, that part that really stands out to you. Because I didn't really start, like, I, I've been, a, I've been... You know, I've enjoyed listening to music since as long as I can remember. I grew up in a very musical family. My dad was in band. My older sister was in band. My younger sister's in band. I've been in band since sixth grade. My mom always played played her her music that she always liked to listen to in the car. My dad would play his music sometimes. So I grew up being surrounded by music. My grandma and grandpa were in the church choir. They had a piano in their house. I'd plinkle on that. But I never really thought about music until I thought about listening to my own music that I like until really my junior year last year yeah is when I started like really digging in and finding out what I like yeah and that's that's a that's one really important thing is that you do grow up around a certain type of music um pretty much around you know who you're around like be it your parents your siblings uh anything like that so it's really easy just to piggyback off of what they like, mm-hmm. um, which there's nothing wrong with, you know, yeah. of course having that uh, gives you a certain nostalgia factor with it too, and uh, also gives you a great bonding with your family, mm-hmm. but then, there's more stuff out there, and you got to figure out what yeah. you like. Yeah, and I mean, the music that your family and the people around you listen to in your de- de- developmental years heavily influences what you like. Like my mom listened to a lot, likes to listen to a lot of 80s music and a lot of country, and I'm not always the biggest fan of country, but I've got several country songs on my playlist that I really enjoy. You know, like Wagon Wheel, Tennessee Whiskey, and there's a couple others. Yeah. Like, those, those are popular ones, but they're, I enjoy listening to them. And, you know, she also listens to a lot of 80s music. And, like, 
70s and 80s rock <clears throat> is by far my favorite genre. Like, CCR and Queen are like yeah. my top two bands, I think. They're yeah. in Kansas. Because um, for me, I, I went around with my mom like everywhere when I was really little, whenever she'd go out to you know, visit her friends or anything. And uh, sometimes that could be a pretty long drive. And always, 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 we had the radio on uh, B98.5, yep. 80s, 90s, and now. Yep. Uh, so that, that also heavily influenced it. Uh, but when I was little, uh, you know, tastes were a little different. It wasn't as much 80s and stuff. Uh, all the now stuff was... I don't, know, I, I don't know why when I was little I just really didn't like it yeah. and I was like oh no that's girl music I shouldn't listen to that mm-hmm. uh, I like rock like hard rock and yeah. then I didn't even know what hard rock I liked I just knew that the guitar was cool and yeah. you know it looks cool when they're up there you know swinging their hair around and yeah. jamming on the electric guitar and then you know when we're all in the car as a family not so much anymore as we used to but we listen to a lot of 104.7 The Fish so that's a lot of or it's only gospel Christian music, which I'm fine with. I enjoy that kind of music too. It's it sounds good, and um, so that heavily influenced what I enjoy to listen to now too, because I don't know if you guys know, but um, gospel Christian music is very different from hard rock. <laughs> <laughs> They're very different styles, and so. Um, yeah, which is something interesting that I grew up listening to not a lot of rock, but that's what I enjoy listening to. Yeah, what's really cool too is that uh, despite how different they are, they have very similar backgrounds and they yeah. started out uh, a lot of the same way. Like, you know, mm-hmm. even the king of rock, you know, Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. he grew up, you know, singing uh, gospel music. That yeah, was always his hymns. thing. Yeah. And he did a lot of covers of hymns and gospel songs like that mm-hmm. too. But he added that aspect of rock to the gospel. Yeah. And one thing I learned when uh, we were in Nashville was that uh, the way he would start pretty much every recording session they did is first he would bring in crystals. He loved crystals. I don't know why. No one knows why. He just really loved crystals. So he'd, he'd bring crystals for everyone. They'd eat. And then they'd gather around uh, the piano, his favorite piano that he never owned. And um, then they'd sing gospel music to warm up to. Wait, when you say crystals, do you mean like fast food joint? Like the fast food. Oh, I yeah. thought you were talking about like gems. Uh, no, 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 no. Like crystals, gospel music, but he's got crystals like healing the gems. Yeah, yes. yeah, crystals the food. The food. Um, which I personally don't like too much, but hey. I haven't had it in a long time. Elvis did. I remember enjoying it when I had yeah. it. Yeah, and then, uh, then after they'd warmed up with some uh, gospel music, they'd go on to uh, record their sessions, however yeah. they went about that. Um, there's a lot of really cool history behind that and the yeah. development of it. Yeah. But uh, music really is just one giant snowball effect. Mm-hmm. You know, it started out, like you were saying earlier, coming from nature and what we heard around us, and it snowballed and branched off and just got bigger and bigger and bigger until all around the world we have all kinds of different types yeah. of music and just, I mean, everything you can imagine, really. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's really interesting to look at like Beethoven and Bach, classical music, and through the years see how it's transformed and how now we've got you know how some dudes one deaf dude even composing some music for an orchestra for a piano for a string section and a brass section and a woodwind section has turned into electric guitars or 
a small big band or a big big band um, or a rock ensemble or two people with ukuleles yeah. you know it's interesting to see how it's evolved and to see to look and listen to the different time periods and see and that hear evolution. the smooth evolution because yeah. it's it really is a smooth evolution um, through the years. Yeah, and it comes out song by song by song by yeah. song. Uh, everything brings something a little new. Someone goes off something like that. Sometimes trends hit, take over, uh, spread like fire, mm-hmm. and uh, in certain cases that can even branch off to become its own separate genre of yeah. music. Like, um, like jazz is a branch off of at the time what was pop yeah which was classical music yeah and uh, also a lot of like uh, like traditional uh, African you know, yes. music it's and, the fusion yeah. of the two yeah because the African music had much more of an upbeat feel to it but the rich people of the 20s enjoyed listening to classical music and so they combined it. when those two when the uh, population in New Orleans or Harlem, you know, they would hear their ancestral music. I could be in this wrong. I don't think I am, but I if I am, so. I need to be corrected. Yeah. But they would hear, you know, the classical music and their ancestral music and then just <laughs> smash them together and then... Yeah, and that also in and of itself was a slow evolution. Yeah. Because um, even in jazz, there's so many separate tiers yeah. of individual music that all just gets categorized as jazz. Because you've got your blues, your bossa nova, mm-hmm. your uh, ragtime, rag uh, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, even rock. Rock branched yeah. off from jazz. It yeah. started as a rock beat because, you know, it was steady like a yeah, rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, sure enough, jazz branches off to become rock, even. Yeah, and rock has evolved into modern pop music. Yeah. Uh, you've got heavy and rock evolves into metal heavy metal screamo which is a whole nother bucket of milk we'll talk about some other time I'm sure um, but yeah yeah no, it's, it's definitely cool seeing that uh, snowball effect and um, really just tracing back music going all the way down the line mm-hmm. um, I mean you know a lot of these people were just pulling stuff together and making music uh, not even knowing if they were going to make it big or not yeah, and you know that kind of uh, that kind of thing can still have a lasting effect. That you know still goes on to this day. I mean, you might not think that uh, somebody who created music, you know, a hundred years ago, really affects the way you live today. Right. But it really does. Yeah. Because um, all the music you listen to branched off from the music of the twenties, a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's it's uh, it's almost like tracing ancestry. Yeah, but we can still hear that ancestry today, much like how we can, you know, trace uh, our ancestry back in books and you know texts like that. Yeah, books um, and photographs, yeah. and paintings. And it's just another form of keeping track of human speech in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, one thing that I like to think about is how, like Gregorian chants, are still related to jazz. Like, yeah. If you think about it, those are two of the probably most different kinds of music because Gregorian chant is, you know, oh, 
I think like the Halo theme was like <laughs> Gregorian chant esque. Yeah. But jazz, <clears throat> you know, the, the main thing I think of when I think of jazz is like you're like flying up and down. <laughs> In certain styles, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But like that's. That's what, what that's what normally comes to mind yeah. when you think jazz. To some people, it's like the slower, more uh, melodical, yeah. ballad type stuff. But is, typically, you think freeform, like yeah. And that's something that's interesting um, to me is that they've still evolved from that Gregorian chant. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it snowballs, it just grows and gets bigger and bigger. I mean, you know, who knows what music's going to be like, you know, when we're just later on in our life cycles, you know. Yeah. Because um, it's cool to see how music, uh, especially through the uh, 20th century, like, a lot of it stayed, but it's yeah. still stacked on top of it, uh, mostly because we were able to, you know, keep records and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, cassette tapes and, you know, actual records of it that we could just put in and listen to um, that really allowed it to stay around longer rather than pass over more like a trend and one thing that's interesting is that you know like the 60s the 70s the 80s and the 90s all had their distinct styles yeah. even though it was only a 10 year difference yeah but the past 20 years the 2000s and the 2010s have had a very they've had a big slowdown and yeah. how music has evolved. It and still has. Changes. If you listen to music now, it is it is significantly different than it was in, say, the year 2000. But, that's still, that difference is not as drastic as, say, 60s and 70s, yeah. or 70s and 80s, or 80s and 90s. I think we're having a, a bit of a repeat, sort of like how it was uh, at the beginning of the 20th century, mm-hmm. you know. Because um, jazz, you know, took its time uh, sort of evolving through that. You had a yeah. lot of different things in there, yeah. different ways that changed. Uh, but I think pretty soon in the future we'll see a, a repeat of history in a way yeah. where it started more rapidly changing and going like that. Mm-hmm. And another, I think one of the big reasons that each of those decades had their own distinct feeling was that there were distinct things. Like in the 70s, 60s and 70s, you had the Vietnam War going that was time when you had like CCR yeah they sang a lot about you know politics which isn't something you would normally think about singing about but that's what they did they sang about like think about their most famous song Fortunate Son yeah that's literally about getting drafted into the war and not wanting to fight the rich man's war and so I think you know I'm gonna bring relevancy modern relevancy to it if this you know thing with Iran goes south and we do get World War Three. yeah it's gonna suck for us but we're gonna get some freaking great music out of it yeah and honestly if, if it does go down I don't really see there being a need for the draft as much well yeah because yeah. we have a lot of yeah and it's it's really a a lot of it is a technological war mm-hmm. uh, more about hardware rather than you know yeah. humans going on the front lines yeah. and fighting I feel like humanity's diverged a long way from that, and realistically, it's saved a lot of lives. Yeah, yeah. And I think, the, going back to the um, Vietnam War versus now, I think the thing is that there's sort of a lost passion. Because when people are passionate about something, passionate about, you know, a war in a country that he, you've never been to, that you've never heard of, 
Because that's what Vietnam was before the war. Was this just some South Asian country that no one's ever heard of? But they're communists. Boo hoo. Um, don't take that the wrong way. I do not side with the commies. Um, but anyway, so once people started getting drafted, people started being like, "Yo, this isn't fair." Yeah, the, these the rich emotions folks. started flowing. Once they started getting going, the heat. Yeah, came once out you start getting emotions boiling, that's when music and art become stronger and more yeah. powerful. It's like uh, like the heat that forges it. Yeah, yeah. Because, I don't know, music today just doesn't seem as passionate. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like we've lost a lot of that just because, um, yeah, don't get me wrong, there's been things to be passionate about, for sure. I yeah, mean, yeah. plenty of things. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's just not as grand of a scale as it was in the past yeah yeah. um but there will come a day again where we will go through another great trial um i know everyone's joking about there possibly being another plague outbreak you know since every century's 20 seem to have a massive plague outbreak Mm -hmm. um that could spark a lot of music um i mean realistically we won't know until we see it yeah but um and also we're not going to know it until it's passed yeah exactly it's kind of funny you know we try to look ahead, but then we don't really see it in retrospect until it has passed. Yeah. So it's a lot harder to see it when you're in the moment. Yeah, like hindsight is twenty is definitely twenty. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, um, one thing I'm sure is going to spark a lot is you know like Australia right now. Yeah. Climate change in general is something that a lot of people are passionate about, and I feel like they're going to get a lot more passionate about it in the next few years. So maybe there'll be a lot of songs about that. Yeah, it's possible. And that's something I would enjoy hearing, I think, think? is how people's perspective on music and perspective on the wildfires in Australia have gone about. A lot of the wildfires were uh, started by man, though. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of people arrested for, yeah. uh, for arson. For I think it was like 128 or something. Yeah, something crazy like that. Um... So yeah, that's something that I want to... Yeah, and I, I think uh, coming with that, though, there will be a divide in that um, between, you know, uh, climate change and uh, the natural development of it. Because um, there's always there's always a divide in that, no matter what, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a part of humanity. But uh, one thing I think that really needs to change about that is that um, when people have different opinions, the first instinct is to argue, not right. to talk and figure out why yeah. they, they, uh, they find a difference in there. Um, and I feel like music is a good way to bring that together. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cases, it can act as a catalyst against that. Yeah. But realistically, I think you know when people feel it more than they see it and think technically about it, right. um, that's, that's what brings us together about it. Mm-hmm. So um, I think of all the you know, arguments that go on, the, the biggest thing is that we need to kind of just let the way we think about arguments go away and think yeah. more back to talking about it mm-hmm. rather than arguing about it. And, yeah. You know, the kind of mentality of, I'm louder, so I'm right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, letting that slip away. And I think music really is mm-hmm. going to be a major stepping stone yeah. in getting towards that. And that's something else that, you know, I thought about a lot is that in our current climate, in the, um, just the way that people, the, the social climate is that, I can't be wrong is the mindset. Yeah. 
no matter what, what I think is right, whether you think it or not. And whether you think you're right is doesn't matter to me. Yeah, exactly. But That's not getting a guess anywhere. Music, you can't argue with a music track. If you played someone singing a song, you can't argue with that. Yeah, because it's recorded. You can either sit there and listen to it, or you can turn it off. But if you sit there and listen to it, you'll get those ideas that they have into your head, and you'll start thinking about them. And if if you decide you you still disagree, then you still disagree. At least you listened, right? Yeah, and you kept an open ear about it. Mm -hmm. Just shutting it off early, that just... um it's just breeding ignorance in a way, um, just not listening to the opposing side. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's where the argumentative aspect comes from yeah. rather than the talking about it because people don't know enough to talk about it because they yeah. only listen to their side. Exactly. So when you get both sides of the story, you know, you start to see more and you, uh, you, know, you understand what they believe. So you can ask them why in particular they believe that yeah. when you know, something in your beliefs shows that that's different or that's yeah. wrong by your moral standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but people don't really always know the other side well enough to not argue. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, music definitely is one of those things that unites people. But it can also, it also has the ability to divide them. But at the same time, it unites us. I feel like it does more to unite than it does to divide. Um, and I feel like we've been seeing a lot more uh, divisional music lately. I feel like now, um, the current moment, it's drifting away from the divisional standpoint. But, uh, earlier on, uh, like last decade, I feel like there was a lot more division yeah. going on in the music rather was, than unification. There was a lot of music about breakups and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And not just that, but um, also if you look uh, more towards the rap as- uh, aspect of that, yeah. there was a lot of diss tracks. That's true. You know, music yeah. being used to argue. Yeah. Um, which is better than just, you know, screaming at each other, admittedly. Um, but there's still division being brought out by it. Um, and I feel like we've started drifting away from that a little bit more now and yeah. started listening uh, a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, even with a diss track, you're arguing, yes, but you still have to listen to the opponent's side. You can't just cut them off in the middle of their thing because there's, there's rules to a di- to a rap battle, right? Yeah. You gotta go back and forth. Yeah. You can't just da 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 right on top of each other. Yeah, and that's what's really cool about it is that you can take something from what someone else said and turn it around. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes make a rhyme off of that. Yeah, and uh, and then it it really you know pushes it back around in the other person's face. Uh, when we hear something like that, we're like, oh, dude, yo. Um, but in its essence, it's still an argument, but it's a lot more civilized of a way to yeah. argue, uh, Which, depending on how it's taken. And, you know, you're not going to agree with everybody you come across. Right. That's for certain. And so I think, you know, out of all the ways to argue, that's like second or third on the top. The number one, in my opinion, is you know, sitting there and just having a discussion, asking questions compared to asserting your opinion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You want to try to do more to figure it out rather than impose your view on someone else. Because when you start pushing it on someone else, they're not going to want to take it. Exactly. And that's not the the way to get it over. Um, 
Because when you talk about it with someone, uh, then you plant the chip in their head, and then it starts to become part of their own cognitive thought process. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, they snowball and grow into it, yeah. rather than being pushed out of their way and yeah. thrown into it, which yeah. is a lot scarier for people to accept and ultimately just mm-hmm. pushes people yeah. away. 100%, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I guess that's it, right? Unless you have anything else? Yeah. No, I think uh, I think we covered uh, pretty much everything about that, uh, at least for now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, this is uh, So I've Been Thinking. I'm your host, Joseph Patton, and once again, it's Eric Rogers. Thank you for coming on for, for today for our pilot episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, and uh, we'll see you next week.